you know, you have to give a lot of thought to um, not only your transitions and to connecting your thoughts together, but um, sometimes just, you know, a quick overview. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you got you to gotta keep referring back to that picture in the box. You know, when you put something together from Ikea, I mean, I don't know guys that read. My son-in-law probably is an instruction reader, you know, okay. but I'm, I'm a picture on the, bo- on the box kind of guy. Yeah. And so I think when you're preaching the message that you've got to frequently give them the picture on the box and it, it, and it allows them to, to, to track with you from point to point. So that's, that's an area I think, guys, that they don't, they don't connect those thoughts. Right. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast, episode 137. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. Hey, so if you are a regular listener to the podcast, you know that Tuesdays are when we release new episodes. But from time to time, on a Thursday or a Friday, we'll drop these bonus episodes. And the bonus episodes have one thing in common. They're always high quality content and they're somewhat low quality audio. So while it might not be up to scratch quality wise, from the audio level to merit a Tuesday release. For me, I've just got to get this content out there because I want you to hear from this as well too. So this was recorded, I think in July of 2018 in Waterford, Ireland. And it's myself and Pastor Ted Leavenworth, um, pastor of Reliance Church in Temecula, California. Um, Ted is an incredibly um, like thoughtful, insightful, pithy, quotable man, and he and I speak about the mistakes that new preachers tend to make. And if you are a new preacher, or if you know a new preacher, uh, I want to make sure that you listen to this and pass it on to someone who can benefit from this. Now, while you're listening, and before the episode starts, let me just say, our webinar is coming up on Saturday morning, December 5th. 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, We have Thomas Terry, uh, lead pastor of the Trinity Church in Portland, Oregon. He's going to be speaking to us for about a half hour, and then we're going to have a time of Q&A. So make sure you go to expositorscollective.com, click the link to register on Eventbrite, and please join us for our third ever webinar, December 5th, 9 a.m. Thomas Terry. And I hope that this bonus episode and our regular episodes and our webinars, they all work together to help you grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. God bless. Welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I am in a hotel room in Waterford with Ted Leavenworth. Um, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Mike. Uh, why are we here? Uh, you want to know what my first sermon was like? Yes. Um, yeah. So, Ted, um, what can you remember? Like, how long ago was your first sermon? What, were, what was the situation, and how did it go? <laughs> so, uh, first sermon was in uh, probably. 1994, and um, it was uh, for my senior pastor who was going to be out of town, so he invited me to teach for him. Okay. And um, 
my mom and I thought it went great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the church was was very encouraging, um, and uh, I had occasion to listen to the message about five years ago. So somebody found a copy of yeah. it, and I promptly burned it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was painful. Okay. Yeah. Why? Um. Well, yeah, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I, um, the, I mean, the content was was not unbiblical, so okay. I had that going for me, you know. So that was good, but it, it was painful just because uh, I was awkward and my transitions were kind of like learning how to drive a stick shift uphill kind of thing. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, do you remember what? What was your main point, or what passage did you preach from? Do you remember that? Yeah, kind of it's seared. It's not on the story of David and Goliath. Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, I uh, I tried to include too much information. Hmm. Uh, I tried to put fifty pounds in a twenty-five pound sack. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was in you know covering a lot of backstory and you know two chapters. Yeah. Trying to fit it all in. So, so yeah, there were, there were a lot of mistakes. Cause yeah, chapter 17, there's, there's a lot of verses in right. there. There's a lot of stuff there. Right. Um, and then of course you got it. Yeah. All, I, I, I taught that it wasn't my first sermon, right? but it was one of the, um, one of the early, early sermons that I did. And I remember I, I just happened this is before like the internet was right. <laughs> accessible. Okay. I, I shouldn't. Uh, now not, they're immortalized for all eternity. Well, yeah, but, but no, but I mean, as far as like research. So I, I just had, I was living in Ireland at a very small library. We didn't have, I, I had a laptop with no Wi-Fi connection. Right. This is back in like, oh, oh, four. Yeah. Oh, 05. Right. So internet existed. Yes. Um, just not in my house. Yes. Um, and so I wasn't able to just kind of look things up um, willy nilly. Um, but it just so happened that I, I, I caught a show on television about David and Goliath. Um, <laughs> like, you know, late in the night and they were just talking about ancient warfare, actually. Okay. So it's ancient warfare and they're talking about catapults and they also talked about um, spears yes. back in the day. And it kind of referenced. Um, that that in the story of the Bible, Goliath had a long spear, and that probably in those days there'd be a leather strap, and the strap wraps around the spear, and so you hold on the leather and throw it, and it spins it the spear, yes. so extra velocity. Right. And I just couldn't believe the Lord like organized that <laughs> to bless me with that extra information, and so I just like was watching it. I was scribbling notes, and I made sure that every detail yeah. made its way into the sermon that Sunday, so people knew that when it says Dave, uh, um, Goliath had a long spear, what that meant. Yeah, and so I explained to them velocity and leather straps and everything. Well, um, turns out they weren't actually that blessed by it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we geek out on stuff and uh, the minutia of, of details. But yeah, people don't necessarily care about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, and you know, interestingly enough, after I gave the message, I had uh, a guy in in the congregation that the you know the Lord had done a miraculous work and ministered to his heart despite my mm-hmm. efforts. I think, and then he came up to me to talk to me afterwards, and he was kind of choked up and and. I didn't have the discernment to realize that this was a really broken man and what he was going through. And it was, you know, guys are guys, you know, they don't open up. Mm. They, they start talking to you about something and you really have to, they want to talk to you, but they won't open up about right. it, you know? So I mean, the, the word did its job and got to this guy's heart and he came up to talk to me, but I didn't pick up on it. I was, 
you know, on the preacher side, just giving my message. And he was saying, oh, that was a really good message. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that encouragement. Not picking up on the fact okay. that that's a really good message. God spoke to me and I really need some counsel right now. So I missed an opportunity there. But mm. fortunately, got that, regained that opportunity a couple of weeks later with him. So that was good. But okay. yeah, message was painful. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that like <clears throat> the message wasn't that great, mm-hmm. but obviously um, God used it to minister to somebody. And, yeah. and so, and then how did that work that you preached again? <laughs> <laughs> um, God's grace. Uh, I didn't do, I, uh, you know, we're always harder on ourselves than, than other people are. So we hear something and we think, oh, that was horrible. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the reason that I was able to, to teach again was because I, I, I didn't teach heresy. I, mean, okay. I taught the word. I yeah. did a good job, you know, expositing the text. And so... Um, Thanks in part to Alan Redpath. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the internet either when we put it together. I mean, it didn't exist when I put mm. my first message together. So, um, But I did have the making of a man of God by yeah. Alan Redpath. So yeah. that was uh, informative for me and hopefully the Holy Spirit a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's there too. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's a good book. Yeah. And I, I remember like in, in that passage on David and Goliath, he actually, <clears throat> he, he speaks about what all the trendy preachers are talking about now that it's um there's you know that jesus defeats the ultimate goliath right. and the ultimate you know of satan sin and death yeah like that was in Redpath's book yeah it's not this new discovery right did that make it into your sermon um probably not yeah that's not it <laughs> <laughs> um okay so those are some i guess you mentioned a mistake of of you use too much information yeah and and so did i um what are what are some mistakes that you think that new preachers often make? Uh, well, it will start there. They they try and fit every single little subtle nuance that they got in their study time, and they try to pack it into their message. So um, that's a mistake. Um, disjointed, uh, disconnected thoughts. You know, um, I tell my students that. Um, Preaching and, and the messages that you preach, they're for hearers, they're not for readers. Right, right. And so we as readers, we read and we, we get to the end of the page. It happens to us often. We've, we just can't remember what yeah. we read, weren't really paying attention. And we have the luxury of going back and rereading. Yeah. Um, but your hearers don't do that. And so if you lose them, you've lost them and they just tune out. They right. check out. They start counting the ceiling tiles. And so um, I, I think you guys have a tendency to... Uh, uh, to not keep that in mind, and uh, it it is um, you know you have to give a lot of thought to um, not only your transitions and to connecting your thoughts together, but um, sometimes just you know a quick overview. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, you got to You got to keep referring back to that picture in the box. You know, when you put something together from IKEA. I mean, I don't know guys that read. My son-in-law probably is an instruction reader, you know. Okay. But I'm, I'm a picture on the, bo- on the box kind of guy. Yeah. And so I think when you're preaching the message, that you got to frequently give them that picture on the box, and that it, and it allows them to, to to track with you from point to point. So that's that's an area I think guys that they don't they don't connect those thoughts. Right. And, and maybe in the beginning of our sermons, we might say, you know, here's what we looked at last week. We might summarize last week as if we're teaching through a story, perhaps, or a narrative. Yeah. But I think it's really important to do that, not just 
from week to week, right. but even from point to point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you know, then you know, hey, we're we're, we're talking about, and you know, you restate the big idea or whatever it is, and you know, we've seen that this yes. and. Um, and so with that in mind, one of the other things that we see is this, you know, and it just brings them along with you. And yeah, those reviews are helpful. Yeah. I, I think another mistake, too, that, that I see guys make is that, um, you know, they may be heavily influenced by someone, um, whether it's you know, the pastor that they that they teach under or most often it's the guys that they get are they're frequently listening to their podcast. Right. And, and it sounds like they're channeling those guys. And, mm whether it's because they've just lifted too much information and leaned too heavily on the commentary, or if it's just that, you know, they pick up and, and just mimic a lot of, you know, who that, that influencer is in their life or influencers. Um, and that can, that can be a mistake because, you know, they, you know, they're just channeling somebody else's yeah. idea and material. So that's, that's problematic as well. You said that you, your first sermon, you weren't comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Does that mean that you were channeling somebody else or just, just an awkward version of Ted Leavenworth? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Ted Leavenworth's awkward, you know. So, uh, no, I, yeah, just it was, it was awkwardness. It was uncomfortableness. It was um, fright and fear. Mm. Um, and people pick up on that. Um, if, if, the, if the speaker is uncomfortable, the listeners are going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just a guarantee. Right. And, um, and so, uh, you know, and the only way out of that is time and repetition and, and getting comfortable by teaching. But I think that, you know, toward that end, preaching in the pulpit probably shouldn't be early in the process of your preaching experience. Right. You know, okay. uh, teaching a home fellowship, uh, leading different classes, discipleship groups, things like that, um, that that's speaking in front of people helps you um, immensely. And yeah. so I think that that's good too. Yeah, and, and the more you do it, the less nervous right. you are. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, there's, there's ways to do it in smaller groups, but you're just probably going to be awkward and nervous no matter what. Yeah, and it helped too. When I, when I taught uh, in front of uh, my church for the first time, I, and our church was maybe you know, 150 people. Okay. And so with a church that size, everybody knows you, they're encouraging, they're tolerant of, of your mistakes and so on. The, uh, it's when the church gets a little bit bigger and the people don't know you, yeah. they're a little less forgiving and, you know, and so on. Stakes go up. I yeah. Think. So to review. Yes. So you were saying so the mistakes have to do with too much information. Um, um, yeah, right. <laughs> copying other people. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, too, another big mistake that people make is that they get more familiar with their notes than they are with the text. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, you, we, we have that burden of, man, i got to say something. Uh, I've been asked to preach. I have to say something. It has to be awesome. And, um, and you know, really you, you have to get to the place where you actually have something to say first and then, you know, and then focusing on that. So guys rush too quickly to put their notes together. Okay. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, when you do that, you really haven't taken the time to, to have the text really saturate your heart and your mind. Um, and so that can, that can be a big problem. And do you have kind of a rule of thumb? How do you let the, the text saturate your mind? Yeah, well, that goes to, to you know, Actually, my, yeah. my, my sermon, Brad. Yeah. Um, and my entire, I, you know, for me, I, I, ideally, my sermon prep is on Mondays and Tuesdays. 
Um, it won't be this week. I'm in Ireland. I won't get back until Tuesday, so it'll be Tuesday and Wednesday. And with jet lag, it'll be Thursday as well. But um, normally it's Monday, Tuesday, and I dedicate all of Monday to you know what I call soaking in the text. So it's just a matter of you know I'm writing stuff down, but there's no organization to it. I, I'm just writing down thoughts and ideas and um, things that stand out to me, questions that I have, um, observations that I make, and things like that. And um, and so I'm just reading through the text. I, I read it. I reread it. I'm reading it in different translations. Um, and uh, if I'm if I'm stuck on something, if I'm really just having a, a hard time, like getting my head around it, I, I might consult the commentaries earlier in the process just okay. to help me to um, make sure that I, that I'm getting you know the right take on it. Um, and uh, and so that whole process, that's all of Monday. Monday is, is just all of that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a gift. God will give you, you know, you'll get your whole, whole sermon outline quickly. You know, immediately, you read, you read through the first time and you, sure. you, you're like, oh, I know exactly what the big idea is and what the process of, of you know, of this flow of thought, how I'm going to, you know, you might even get, you know, how I'm going to teach through it. And you might even get in that, you know, illustration, application, you know, things like that. Um, but um, usually um, all of that comes on Tuesday. So Monday is just soaking in the text, getting my head around the text, mm -hmm. getting a general sense of, you know, uh, where the text is going and, you know, context and all of that. And then Tuesday is, all right, let's put together my outline. Okay. So, and then, you know, in the outline... Um, I know I know several guys. They're 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 chronological thinkers, and they just cannot get past, uh, you know, putting together an introduction um, mm. before they start working on everything else. You know, again, I tell my students, I think that's a that's a mistake because sometimes you come up with with an introduction, you fall in love with it, and right. then, and then through the course of study, you yeah. realize that really isn't the best introduction to the text. So then you spend your, all your time trying to make the text fit to flow with your introduction, tweaking stuff unnaturally and, you know, that, that can get to a, a real hmm. problem where you're not exegeting the text. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about that. Okay. Why are introductions important? So what if the introduction doesn't match the text? Yeah. I, it, isn't, isn't it just an interesting story to make sure people are listening? <laughs> um, no, because, you know, an introduction co accomplishes a lot of things. Sometimes an introduction is... Hey, let's read the text, and um, and I know you know uh, David Guzik thinks that you know you should get to the text early, mm -hmm. um, keeping that the main point. Hey, let's 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 communicate that the message yeah. is central, and and, I, and you can listen to him explain that on right. episode two of the Expositors <laughs> Collective podcast. But yeah. um, and, and I agree with him, but I I think that it, well, when people listen to you, when 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 you go into to any sermon. Uh, really, people are asking, so what? Yeah. You know, the, really the question of their heart is, why should I care? Why is this important? Um, and um, and I, I think that your introduction really ought to, ought to grab them by the throat. It ought to be something to where um, you've got them. And people, are they're making up their minds whether or not they're going to listen to you within the first 10 seconds of your communication and no pressure, but that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So if you if you if you take the time to communicate, you know, a, a proper introduction, 
your proper introduction should tell them what the big idea of the text is so that they, so they have a foundational understanding of uh, what it is that they're going to be learning. You know, it's standard. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Then I'm going to tell you what I told you. Right. And so the introduction should serve as, hey, this is what we're talking about today. But it also should do that in such a way that the listener understands this is why you should pay attention. Um, and so uh, it's important. So if you tell a heartwarming story about your kids and then, you know, you say, and we're going to talk about hope, right. you know, and here's a story about my kids hoping for a good Christmas present. <laughs> and then, but points one, two, and three are about, let's say, perseverance, suffering, and joy and adversity. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's going to be people that object, that say, hey, wait a minute, I was promised yeah. hope. But you've given me perseverance and joy and adversity. Yeah, and you know, and so you know, if uh, again, you, you should you should handle that and treat that in such a way that um, either your introduction, you know, you, you have to address the inconsistencies. And so, if if mm. if you were flowing through that kind of a thing, and where the ultimate wraparound is going to come to hope, okay, but you're dealing, but these are the but but you know the the adversity and so on. Are things that you actually that precede it, and you actually have to deal with those. Yes. Then you know your introduction could be one of hope and heartwarming and all of that, and then you deal with that in your transition from the introduction to the text because you could say that, and, and then you know you might say something like, uh, you know, this is well, you know, well, I tell you that story because we're going to ultimately be dealing with hope. Yeah. But you might not think so in the in the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to you know face adversity. We're going to face trial, and you can deal with that. In, in but it but it has to be something that um, that you think through. So as you as you're teaching, as you're instructing your people, you you constantly have to be asking the question. You know, not only why should I care, but also what are the reasonable objections that your hearers are going to have. Sure. So as you as you're teaching the text, you, you have to answer those. You have to say. Um, you know, if, uh, okay, yeah, ultimately this is a story of hope, but it starts with, you know, this hardship or trial or, or whatever. Um, and so really how can the hope come from that? Well, let me tell you how that hope can, you know, and I know what you're thinking, you know, mm, you, mm. You throw those things out. So. Okay. So I'm asking more nuanced questions of you because you are not only a, a pastor and church planter, but you also have, have taught a class on Hermeneutics or homiletics? Homiletics. Homiletics. So yeah, so these these nuanced questions are you're getting the more the more tricky nuanced ones. Yeah. Um, okay. Could I ask you about illustrations? Yeah. Um, why? Like, I guess I, I kind of interrupted you a little bit in the middle of your sermon prep process. But mm -hmm. is there a time when you um, compile your illustrations together? Does that come in the in the kind of warp and woof of prep, or do you have like? You know, on Wednesdays at, you know, two in the afternoon, I find my illustrations. Yeah, no, illustrations, you know, for, for me, yeah. um, I use illustrations in everyday life. Yeah. I, I kind of communicate that way naturally. You sure do. Um, yeah. And so uh, I don't have any special time carved out. They just sort of come to me. As a matter of fact, probably in my sermon prep, I give too many illustrations, and that's one of the time sucks of okay. my messages where I say, man, I, I'm, I'm illustrating this 12 ways from Sunday. They get it. Move okay. on. Okay. You know? 
And sometimes we fall in love with, oh, that's really good. Mm. Like that paints a really good picture or that's really funny. That's a great, funny illustration. And sometimes, frankly, people just need a commercial break. Right. You know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. Where you give it, you're just feeding them with a fire hose and they just need, they just need a laugh. They just need something to, you know, um, and that, that's a, that's a fine line too, because you can, you can be somebody who's super funny just naturally, um, and which I don't consider myself to be funny, but you know, sometimes you have funny illustrations or whatever. And if they leave and that's all they remember, sure. they're really not done, done your job. But so illustrations, they, they just kind of come naturally to me. But I think that, um, you know, again, an illustration is the picture on the box kind of thing. And okay. more is kind of caught than taught. And if you, if you give an illustration, um, you know, it communicates so much that people can personally relate with, that they can visually see in their mind's eye. Um, and, so I think illustrations are really powerful tools to communicate truth. Okay. So. so what if someone's listening and they don't speak in illustration language and it doesn't come naturally to them? And, you know, maybe <laughs> there's a the temptation to, well, not temptation. I mean, do you think there's value in, you know, a thousand and one illustrations for preachers, books? Sure. Yeah, I think, I think there is. But I think that God's created you uniquely to be your own communicator. Like we all communicate in different ways. And I know guys that, that are really funny. They have great, just, and, and it just comes naturally to them. They're, they're, they're funny, you know, in, in, in just spontaneous ways. And that, that makes it into their sermons in very, you know, wonderful ways. And, and it's charming and great. And, and you, you love watching the sermon. You can never be them. I can right. never be them. Right. So, so maybe if illustration isn't your thing, you know, you can, there's so many other ways that we can illustrate a text. It could be, um, you know, a, a cross-reference that, just a, a story biblically that, mm. that illustrates very wonderfully the point you want to make. Or it could be a, a, a powerful quote from somebody who is, uh, and, you know, quote's not an illustration by definition, but it is a way to uh, yeah. further expound on the text, yeah. you know, so... I, I think you be you, and if illustration isn't your thing, I think they need, a sermon needs to have an illustration. You have to be able to say, it's kind of like this, um, and um, and look for ways that you can do that. Okay. Well, cool. Well, thank you for those two little diversions. So yeah. we're on Tuesday now. Okay. <laughs> so you've, you've soaked in the text on Monday. You've uh, consulted maybe a commentary or two on Monday and then a bunch more on Tuesday. Is that right? Right. Tuesday morning. Yeah. Definitely. Outline is done on Tuesday. Yeah. And a lot of times I won't consult the commentary until, you know, I've got a lot of my notes done. Okay. You know, sometimes it, it, it just all depends. Um, if I have a real strong sense of, of what the text is saying and how the Holy Spirit is leading me to present that and what angle I'm going to take on, you know, on the lesson, then, um, then without fear, I'm going to be able to, to go to the, the commentary much earlier. Okay. If, if I'm um, still in the crafting process, I'm a little more sensitive to going to the commentaries just because it's going to make its way into your message. And so if you do that too early, then, you know, you're going to sound like David Guzik. Right, you know? right. Um, yeah, which isn't a bad thing, but uh, if it's, you know, you'd much rather have the Holy Spirit lead Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, now, having said that, I mean, there's there's just, and there's several times in, in, you know, in my teaching, I might have an outline and I go to a commentary and I'm like, that 
explains it much more clearly and much better than this rambling thing that I had. Sure. I'm flat out doing that. Right, and there's okay. nothing wrong with that, you know. Um, uh, but, yeah. So Tuesday for me, it's, it's starting to get all of my notes compiled. I want to be able to clearly articulate the big idea. I want to... Um, make sure that I've that I've set up the message. As you you know, as you're teaching through a book, um, so often um, that part of the process, that introductory part of the process, is um, a a review or a catching up to speed or just jumping mm. in, jumping into hey we left off at this point kind of thing, and recognizing that not everybody comes every week. It's always yeah. a balance on you know how much of that am I going to do, um, and so. You know, you, you you don't want to spend so much time in review that everybody is just, oh, well, I heard this, I heard this, I heard right, this. Right, right, right. So, but yeah, so um, setting up and, you know, your introduction and, and how you're going to get into the text, setting up your main points and then just starting to, you know, get it, once I get that skeleton done, then I'm going back and I'm, you know, putting... Um, as Haddon Robinson calls it, the, the meat on the bones, you know, the, okay. you, you're starting to, that's where your cross-references, expanding on things, um, illustrations, application, you know, points and so on. Wow, okay. And then are you done? <laughs> no, my wife likes to say I'm not done until the first service starts, you know. Okay, okay. So, no, I mean, I'm done. I, tr I try to be completely done by Wednesday morning. That's my goal. Wow. I don't always hit it. It all depends on what I've got going on, frankly, in you know, in the church. I might have, uh, you know, some several times that I'm that I'm teaching in different, you know, class or something that um, might rob some time from Monday or Tuesday. It all depends on how much time I have on Monday and Tuesday. Okay. Then, um, but uh, but ideally, I'm done by Tuesday by Wednesday morning. And then I won't look at my notes again until Saturday evening. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Um, in fact, Be because you're so busy, or intentionally? Um, well, both. And 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 well, let me answer your question, and I'll come back to the the taking a fresh run at your notes. That's okay. You can remind me of that okay. if I forget. I'm writing it down now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you have you have things that you have to do, and so you you have to program your days. And so for me, Wednesdays and Thursdays are programmed with other things. Um, but I also like to to, you know, if I've got the message done, if I've done a good job on it, then Saturday is sufficient for me to come back to, to go over them. Taking a fresh look, yeah, you make some tweaks and some changes. Um, last week I made two hours of changes to my notes on Saturday night and um, my computer shut down. No. Yes, it no. just, and it's never done it before. It just shut down and they were lost. And uh, my wife said, well, obviously God didn't want you to say it, and he didn't. I mean, it, everything that I had done, wow. it did not, uh, it didn't, when I redid it, it didn't show up the same way. So that's God doing what God does. But anyway, you know, I'll do that on Saturday night, a couple hours, you know, Saturday evening. Um, and then I'll wake up early on Sunday morning, and I like to, to spend, you know, an hour or so on my notes on Sunday morning. Okay. How early? Uh, it depends. Usually 4.35 in the morning. Okay. Um, and spend an hour or so over that uh, before I go down and meet the guys down at the church and uh, for prayer and stuff. So, you know, that's that's how that'll go. Okay. Um, taking fresh runs at the, at the message. I was just about to remind you. <laughs> um, I, you. You can get, you know, you get all up in your head and you get all up in your notes and, and it's, if you sit there too long, um, 
then you just sort of, you know, go down a wormhole in your notes and where you're you, in the moment your notes make sense to you. Mm. But, mm. but for me, and maybe this is just the way my brain works, I think it's healthy to come away from your notes, to come away from your study, um, to, to, you know, have, you know, at some time away, I, it depends, half hour, an hour, <clears throat> often, you know, I'll go and I'll have lunch and I'll come back to my notes and I, I just have fresh insight. I just okay. have a, a fresh take on it. Yeah. And so I think rather than, um, and it works both ways, but what, what I started off saying is rather than sitting in your chair and saying, okay, for the next eight hours, I'm going to work through this sermon and get it done. I find that it's better if I take multiple runs at it. And so I work at it in a spurt and then I come away and then I come back and I work on it again. That way it's fresh. And then also for me, early in the morning is when I'm the freshest. The afternoons are death right. to me in notes. And so if I wake up early before the sun comes up and work on my notes, um, that's the most product, productive time for me. I think more clearly during that time. So Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same. Yeah, I know most of the guys I talk to are that way. Really? So, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you beat everyone else up, they're... I'm sorry. If you <laughs> yeah, beat them up, if so you that they don't distract you, if you wake up before everyone else wakes up, right. there's just something that's that's just special, and I just find yeah, my, right. my brain starts sharp and throughout the day gets gets yeah. foggy. Well, and this fuzzy. is especially true for you with three kids at home. So yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm at a, I'm at a stage when uh, yeah. Okay, um, and and finally, uh, do you have any um, as you teach homiletics? Um, what what is your book that you assign to your students? Is there multiple books? And then yeah. any other recommendations for the Expositors Collective listenership? Uh, in terms of books? Yeah, and, books. Yeah. Um, so the textbook that I use is uh, Biblical Preaching by, um, by Haddon Robinson. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. Um, and um, um, Christ-Centered Preaching uh, by Brian Chapel is amazing. Yeah. It's also a really good book. Is. Those are the two top ones that I would recommend. Um, and, uh, you're the book guy, man. You, you're, you're better at making book recommendations. Well, no, one, no, no one's recommended any books actually in all yeah. these, in all these episodes. So I figured really? you'd be the guy. Oh my. Those are at the top of my list. Those yeah. two, um, uh, between two, two worlds. Right. By Stott is, is wonderful. Um, and so that's one that I would recommend. Well, hey, 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 you, you've, you've given three more book recommendations okay. than, any, than any other person. Granted, yeah. I've never asked anybody else, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I basically, I wanted to know, yeah, what are you assigning your students to read? Yeah. And so it's Haddon Robinson and Brian Chappell? And, and Between Two Worlds by John Stone. Oh, that one as well, too. Oh, okay. yeah, for sure. That's a remarkable book. Great resource. Okay. Back, back in my day in Bible college, yeah. uh, it was rare that you'd get assigned more than one book to read. So yeah. Well, well I, I, the academic recommendations. I just, oh, yeah? I, I have one textbook. Okay. And, okay. And and the other ones are recommendations okay. that they go through. Okay. What I'm doing, you know, what I try to get to with my homiletics class is, um, you know, going through, hey, how do you find the big idea and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, but but I'm really, most of our exercises are trying to get them actually preaching. And, right, okay. And, and critiquing and, you know, let's work on an introduction today. Let's work on, you know, finding the big idea in a text. Let's, you know, work on illustrating a text or whatever. And so, you know, that again, it's... Um, somebody told me one time that, that preaching is like teaching somebody to drive on a country road 
um, just get them behind the wheel mm. and keep them out of the ditch. Right. You know, and I and um, and teaching is the same way. I mean, you, you just want to, the the best way to learn how to teach and to preach is to is to do it. But you know, obviously, um, you want to do it the right way. Country so, road. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think episode one, David Guzik was talking about how your first 200 sermons are going to be bad. Yeah. Um, and so just get them out of the way. Right. Um, you know, take whatever opportunities you have to right. teach and preach and try to make them not be bad. Right. Make them as, as, as least bad as possible. But, right. you know, you're not going to find your stride or find your voice until 201. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, another recommendation along that is that you need feedback. Right. And okay. so, you know, I'd mentioned, you know, I thought my, my mom thought my first message was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I guarantee you she did. You right. Know? Um, right. But if I had my mom critique me all the time, that would be a big mistake. So um, you want to get people that will actually tell you the truth um, and have them listen to you. Okay. Give you feedback. Um, how do you find those people? Um, I, you know, ask ask people yeah. that you, that you respect as good teachers right. would you would you listen to this tape would you give me some feedback um, you know people that uh, are I mean you want to ask just the average person hey what are your impressions of this that might be good right okay uh, you, you stutter a lot you, see, you or watch you know if you're on video okay you stick your hands in your pockets all the time huh. you you wipe your nose all the time whatever it is I mean all feedback is good you want to pay attention to that that's good I found I found Christians can be really quick to say, that really blessed me. Right, um, right. But then, yeah, you have to push in and say, okay, I'm, I'm glad it blessed you. Right. But what what, what did not bless you? Right. <laughs> what blessed you the least? Exactly. Well, and some people are just incapable of that. Okay. They just cannot give. It's not that they can't give honest feedback, but they just can't bring themselves to be critical. Yeah. Um, or p perhaps maybe it's they don't want to criticize God's word. Right. And you're the bringer of God's word. Yeah, perhaps it could be that. But find the people that... But we need, um, we need criticism. Well, we do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, and I think that if you find somebody that can that will actually tell you the truth, then, yeah. it, then it'll benefit you. So, But you gotta, you got to be able to handle it. Great. So... Oh, cool. Thanks, Ted. Any any final words to the Expositors Collective listeners? Uh, uh, yeah, I would just say anything that Mike Naglia tells you to do, you do that. <laughs> wow. Kind of John 2 advice, isn't it? <laughs> well, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Um, thanks once again to Ted for sharing his time and his life uh, with all of us. All right, here's your final reminder. Uh, make sure that you go to expositorscollective.com that you follow the link, that you register yourself for the webinar so that on Saturday morning, December 5th, 2020, uh, you can be learning from Thomas Terry um, about just crafting, becoming the kind of person that God can use in the public proclamation of his word. Expositorscollective.com, scroll to the bottom, follow the link, and get yourself signed up for the webinar. All right. I hope that this episode, the webinar, and all that we do at Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. Mm -hmm.